Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Eric and Ryan Show. Today is Thursday, October 29th, 2020, a few days before the election. I am without Ryan today. Ryan is moving, um, and we wanted to put something out before the election, so it's just going to be me speaking to myself. Um, I'll do my best to keep things simple without my uh, colleague here, but um, we've assembled a few thoughts ahead of, of Tuesday's big, big day. Um, and our general feeling is, you know, what we've seen this week in the overall equity markets in the U.S. has been quite a bit of, of downside pressure. It started on Monday, um, which uh, progressively bad day, just getting worse and worse, going into the close, closing down on the Dow about uh, 2% or so, a little under 2%, 600 points on the Dow. Um Tuesday was a better day for tech, but pretty lousy day overall for everything else, um, mostly due to a very large deal uh, within the tech space, um, AMD uh, acquiring Xilinx, which is a very big deal. Um, and basically, uh, that was why tech was having a decent day versus the broader market. And then yesterday, of course, we had a 900-point collapse uh, in the Dow and pretty much a commensurate decline in everything else, which is about 3.5%. Today, we're it's about 9 a.m. right now. Um, the market is about to open, and it, it looks like a uh, we gave up all of the overnight green futures. So I think this is to be expected uh, for everyone that is keeping score. If you remember the 2016 election, uh, leading up to the election, I think we had the longest number of days in a row for the Dow in history or in, in multi-decade period. I think it wasn't history. It was multi-decade period where the Dow had gone down, I believe, a total of seven seven days in a row leading up to the election without, without any green. Um, I have to say, though, that I don't think this is the reason the market has gone down. It's not like everyone woke up on Monday of this week and all of a sudden realized that there's an election in, in, in eight days. Um, similarly, no one woke up on Tuesday and said to themselves, there's an election in seven days, and no one woke up yesterday and said to themselves, there's an election in six days. There, to me, I think uh, the evidence of why we sold off was that it looked like Steve Mnuchin, the Treasury Secretary, and Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, were very close on a fifth iteration of the stimulus deal or the fourth iteration of the stimulus deal last week. A lot of headlines came out that they were um, pretty much uh, eye to eye on things. And then uh, over the weekend, it sounded like things just broke down and um, there will be no stimulus agreement prior to the election is what we're currently told. Um, on top of that, uh, you know, I, I think the rising number of cases in, in Europe is is alarming and you saw last uh yesterday during the day france effectively announced a new lockdown um and 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 other countries are are similarly uh both surging in in cases and also considering similar measures or have already implemented similar measures and i guess the fear is that europe while not as big of a deal as asia or the united states from an economic point of view the feeling is that if they're going through a surge, why won't Asia go through another surge? In which case, you'd have you know a vast number of very large countries having to shut down again. And then, of course, why wouldn't it just repeat the cycle with us in the United States uh, again? So, I think all of this, mostly the stimulus breakdown plus the surge in COVID cases, just 
created what we would call a risk off uh, mentality for the market. And one of the reasons why we've um, corrected this week. Um, I, I've maintained for a while, um, if you've spoken to me about things in the last couple of weeks, I've maintained for a while that, um, you know, the broader narrative is this low interest rate environment with tremendous amount of support from the Federal Reserve in conjunction with the federal government stimulus, in conjunction with the the bridging the time gap between where we were in February and March to right now basically being in November, we're getting closer to, um, I, I would hope, some sort of end game. I'm not suggesting that's in the next month, but it's a lot better to be eight months into a crisis than to be on the first day of a crisis. And I, and I think, you know, if you've looked uh, in the last two weeks, we've had tremendous amount of, of news regarding um, treatment uh, out of Regeneron. In fact, last night they reported that their uh, second, um, second trial, their, their trial but the second announcement from the trial of 546 patients uh, receiving um, uh, Regen Cove 2, which is their um, the cocktail that that President Trump took a few weeks ago when he got sick, um, is working. And you know we knew that in the first sample of data three weeks ago uh, that it really reduced viral load in patients that um, whose body did not create any any type of reaction. So. Effectively, if you had a reaction, if you got COVID and you had a, an, an antibody reaction, their drug helped a little. But if you got COVID and your body mounted no defense, their drug was able to reduce viral load um, by upwards, I think, of 90-something percent. And I want to say 98% um, in, in that first announcement. The last night's announcement was basically you know, a bigger group of people, and the results were very positive. So I think all of this is part of that broader narrative that, yes, COVID will one day end. There needs to be some bridges that get us towards that end game and that anything that interrupts that bridge is concerning. So a stimulus breaking down, concerning. Um, uh, the fact that Pfizer was supposed to come out yesterday with results for their vaccine um, and how it's working uh, probably also created some concerns. But if you dig a little closer into that headline, the reason why they're not ready to report results is from, from their trial is they need people to actually get sick. They need to find out of their 42,000 patients, I believe they're waiting for 32 cons cons confirmed positive cases before they can determine how well the vaccine is working. And they don't have 32 yet. So if you read between the lines on that, I find that actually quite compelling and, and arguably potentially good news. Um, if you don't have 32 confirmed cases in a sample size of 42,000, maybe your vaccine works well. Maybe it works really well, better than expected. But the market likes to change uh, tone very quickly. And I, I, I think the fact that they didn't come out with any news yesterday regarding their vaccine trial um, perhaps also alarmed the market. So again, it's bifurcated. It's COVID that, that I think led to this recent sell-off. And it is... Um, it is the breakdown in stimulus. I do not think it's the election. I think if you if you think about this coming election, we have had um, several, I mean, if you ask somebody 40 years ago, what's the date of the 2020 election, they would be able to look at a calendar and tell you the date. If you ask somebody a year ago, 
what is who who are who's going to be um uh who are the contenders it would have been trump versus someone else probably a year ago we might have said a warren or a sanders uh if you ask somebody six months ago what that that question uh, what the answer to that question would be it w- the answer would have been trump versus biden so we uh, the market has known for north of 6 months i would say probably around 8 months now that it was trump versus biden the market has known for several months now that um biden is leading trump not only in the polls but um, uh, well, not only in national polls, but also in battleground states. The market also knows that some of the conventionally red states like Texas and Georgia have now moved into the toss-up category. That's been talked about on this show uh, several months ago. I think we talked about that, I want to say, in August, uh, early August. So I don't think the market is adjusting to anything relating to the election. In fact, I think elections, um, you know, my, my career uh, began at Pinnacle. Uh, I started Pinnacle in 1999 as an intern and, and worked there through my um, college years. And then my uh, Ernst & Young years when I was getting my CPA license, I maintained contact with um, many of my associates at Pinnacle and, and, and still did a little bit of work for Pinnacle. But my real career started in 2006 and, and it was the Obama election. And I'll never forget, everyone was, was um, you know, I, re- I remember everyone was saying you have to bulletproof your portfolio, you know, Obama-proof your portfolio. Uh, these are the sectors that are going to be affected. This is what you need to do. And it, it turned out that you didn't, you didn't really have to do that. In fact, um, everyone was saying get out of healthcare. When Obama got elected, healthcare wound up going on to being one of the best sectors um, for a multi-year period, I think at least four or five years, as the expansion of healthcare to everyone created a tremendous amount of demand for healthcare services. Um, uh, additionally, everyone had said, "Get out of financials." Financials had a decent period, but not, of, of course, as good as other sectors. Um, but you know, and then and then I think in the 2016 election, there was a lot of narrative about how to Hillary-proof your portfolio. I I, I don't subscribe to the idea that elections are as important as as bigger picture themes like Federal Reserve stimulus, solving the virus, um, government stimulus, uh, earnings, which have been pretty good. Uh, we've seen some earnings from some large players. Microsoft was, I think, stellar. UPS, excellent, except for the fact they didn't provide guidance, which to me is okay. Um, today it was announced that GDP grew um, for the third quarter at 33%, which was one percentage point better than expected. So these are all bigger bigger theme, themes that I think move the market than elections. I personally think the upcoming election is a calendar event that we've known about for a while. We've been able to handicap it for a while. Everyone in the market that bets on the election or bets on the outcome or on certain sectors has already made their bets. They weren't waiting till this week to do so. So I think there should be a sigh of relief come Wednesday, provided that we have a winner. So regarding that, um, unfortunately, I don't have uh, a tremendous amount of stats in front of me, but I have been reading a lot of research regarding whether or not we will have a winner on Tuesday night, and there are many states that have to um, uh, start effectively start counting mail-in votes and um, early votes 
before election day, and there's some that are not allowed to start until election day. The number of states, and I don't have the number in front of me, but the number of states that have to tabulate and count before election day, especially in the battleground states, far exceed the number of states that start counting on election day. Um, Florida is one of those states that start counting before election day. If you were to ask somebody in Florida right now, what's the tally, they wouldn't tell you, but they would know the tally. So um, somebody in the election, high up in the election bureau, of course, I'm talking about. So I I think that uh, we will have a winner on Tuesday night. And I think that it is a calendar event where even if there's some sort of contest, even if there's some sort of um, nasty reaction from Trump if he loses, uh, or um, some sort of retaliatory measure from Biden if he loses, um, I, I think the market will be happy that the election is over. And, and, and I think a lot of people will be happy that the election is over. But I have seen several elections in my career. And what I've noticed is most of the time, uh, I would say majority of the time in the in the uh, 2008, 2012, 2016, and then of course being a non-investment professional in 04 and 00, um, the market shrugs when the election is over and, 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 and moves on. Um, to new calendar things, to bigger picture things, and you know, worrying about many other events down the road. Good example is Brexit. Uh, I remember in 2016, Brexit was supposed to be this remarkably very challenging market event, and when it was voted to to leave the European Union, um, it resulted in a one day slide for the global equity markets and. Um, we went on to, to new summer highs later that summer. So I, I think some of these things that are political tend to drop off calendars. And I think we shouldn't get too overwhelmed with um, personal feelings or fear of, of the election. There's a big divergence between the market and what you hear on your news programs regarding the election. Big divergence. So... Um, the market, I think, has already made its bets on this election. Um, that's pretty much the, the the big piece of what we wanted to co- cover, or what I should say, what I wanted to cover. Um, you know, we we think um, that it was important for us to just tell, talk a little bit about why we've seen this slide uh, this past week. Um, again, we maintain that the election will drop off the calendar, and it should be positive for the market to get it off the calendar and to focus on other things. Um, there's one other thing we've noticed. Um, we think there is evidence that with volatility so high, um, the VIX curve, which is a measure of, of market and option volatility, is actually inverted. And when it is inverted, that means that volatility today is higher than expected volatility tomorrow, which indicates panic selling, um, quite a bit of panic selling. And if if VIX stays inverted, that's usually a good sign that um, that this isn't a real kind of substantial sell-off. And um, that's pretty much the last thing I'll say is I've been saying it all year, but there is a category of things we know, and there's things we think we know, and there's things we think we know that we don't know, um, and things we just don't know, right? So I've, I've said it many times, there's the known knowns, the unknown knowns, and the unknown unknowns. 
I, I, I think we, as humans, we're always trying to push things from the unknown, unknown category into the known, unknown category, and then from there into the known, known category. I think the election has been and will be something that is right now a known unknown, and on Wednesday of next week, it becomes a known known. And I think the virus was an unknown unknown. Social distancing was an unknown unknown. And over the last eight months, we've pushed it into the known unknown category. And at some point in time, it will become a known known. Um, th- this is my feeling on on uncertainty. And I think uh, if we if we see sell offs like we have this week, those. Uh, we, we tend to ask, or I've been asking the question, is there something new that has driven the market crazy that we don't know that we're now having to discount? Or is it something that is still in that known unknown category that we're just adjusting to? So I would say that we're still in that known unknown category as far as risk is concerned regarding stimulus uh, and COVID. But nothing new has come out of the woodwork that is, I think, creating an unknown, unknown situation. Remember, those unknown, unknown situations are where we get those 30, 40% slides quickly. Uh, Those known, known situations is when the market tends to go up. And those known, unknown situations is when the market tends to be cautious, but go up gradually and and incrementally and and not really adjust to um, uh, relative headlines unfavorably. So with all that said, we just wanted to provide this uh, little primer on next week and the thoughts for the remainder of the year. And of course, let us know if you have any questions or thoughts that you'd like us to cover in one of these podcasts. With that, I'm going to give the spoken disclaimer. And basically, uh, I hope everyone has a good week and we'll talk. uh, Ryan and I will join each other soon again on on one of these in the next week or so, Um, as well as our month-end commentary, which will be coming out soon. The investment commentary is limited to the dissemination of information pertaining to Pinnacle Associates Limited and general economic market conditions. Nothing contained herein should be construed as personalized advice or an offer or solicitation to buy or sell any securities. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and there is no guarantee that the views and, and opinions expressed in this commentary will come to pass. Pinnacle is neither a law firm nor an accounting firm, and no portion of this commentary should be construed as legal or tax advice. You are advised to consult with separate legal or tax advisors. With, with respect to any legal or tax advice, Pinnacle is an investment advisor registered with the SEC. For information pertaining to the registration status of Pinnacle, please refer to the Investment Advisor Public Disclosure website. For additional information about Pinnacle, including fees and services, you can request our written disclosure statement set forth on our Form ADV Part 2A. Thanks, every much, thanks very much, everybody, and, and speak soon. Bye-bye. 